0: Serena Williams does not like to lose. You can hear it in her press conferences after a match.
1: I'm not, I don't want to talk about how disappointing it is for me. If you have any other questions, I'm open for that.
0: You can hear it on the court when she smashes a racket in frustration. And you can hear it from her. She told us herself.
1: I'm the first to admit I'm a terrible loser. Losing is something that someone like me is allegedly not supposed, to, I'm not supposed to lose ever. Serena Williams is
0: one of the greatest athletes of all time. She's the most accomplished player in the history of tennis with 23 Grand Slam titles and 14 doubles titles. She's one of the highest paid female athletes ever with $84 million in prize money. She's a notoriously tough competitor and she has completely changed the way women's tennis is played. So naturally, there are expectations.
1: For me, every time I step on the court, if I don't win, it's a bigger story than when I do win.
0: When Serena falls, the headline is Serena Loses, rather than whoever else wins. Over the years, she's taken a lot of flack for the way she loses, her reactions, her behavior. But maybe there's a reason for all of it, something more than just a desire to win. I'm Dominique Foxworth. This is The Secret to Victory. Today, we tell the story of one of Serena's worst defeats, the 2016 U.S. Open. We talk with her about what happened that day and why, as she puts it, she's a terrible loser. And it turns out, there's more to it than you might think. Here's a snapshot of where Serena Williams was in September of 2016, at the start of that year's U.S. Open. At age 34, she was playing the best tennis of her career. She'd been ranked number one in the world for 186 straight weeks. If you're counting, that's more than three years. And she just won five of the last eight Grand Slams. Five. Nobody else had even won two.
2: The level that it takes to sustain an offensive attack against Serena, not only do you have to have the right strategy, but you have to be able to execute it.
0: This is Caitlin Thompson. She's the founding editor of the tennis magazine, Racket. She's been following Serena for years.
2: And even in her losses, not only does Serena play poorly, her opponents have the day of their lives.
0: Heading into the U.S. Open that year, Serena was a heavy favorite to win. She was also on track to break the record for the most Grand Slam titles in the Open era, 22, held by Steffi Graf. Night 11 of the 2016 U.S. Open. Serena made it through the first five rounds of the Open without any trouble at all that put her in the semifinal round. Serena Williams, the number one seed, racking up. And she was set to face off against an underdog, the number 11 player in the world at the time, Karolina Pliskova.
1: Karolina Pliskova, who's experiencing all these things for a very first time.
0: The match was supposed to be a foregone conclusion, a detour, before Serena made it to the final. Caitlin Thompson was in Arthur Ashe Stadium that night.
2: I've been to many, many, many matches on Ashe, and the difference between an average match at that stadium and a Serena Williams match is the weight of expectation. When Serena steps onto the court, everybody not only expects her to win, but they expect to be part of history.
0: At 7 p.m., just as the sun was setting behind the Manhattan skyline, Serena tossed the first ball in the air, thrust her racket toward it, and the match was on. 15 left. The first point went to Serena, an ace. But from there, things slowed down.
2: For anybody who watches Serena pretty regularly, you know that she can take a while to sort of get into the match. She kind of is a notoriously slow starter.
1: Serena
2: pays the price there. She looked off. She looked uh, a little nervous. She looked a little shaky.
0: Serena's agent, Jill Smoller, was at the match that day. She's been working with Serena for two decades. You can usually see her on TV in the player's box. She's part of the family.
3: I usually sit next to mom, in between mom and sister, and I just remember sitting in the front row and, uh, you know, just feeling like, you know, she was struggling the whole match. I mean, she was struggling the whole match.
1: Yeah, but Serena so like,
0: can't I was handle the serve and couldn't it's handle Pushkova in that first set. Wow. 26 minutes, and the first set is in the books, 6-2. Kaitlyn Thompson
2: again. And as Karolina Pliskova took the first set, it seemed like Serena was going to have to sort of redouble her efforts and come back to the court, center herself, and sort of find the classic Serena Williams extra level.
0: This extra level is what Serena's known for. She's been called the comeback queen, She's won two of her Grand Slam matches after dropping the first set to her opponent. All this to say, a first set loss to Pliskova didn't necessarily mean defeat for Serena.
2: Watching a Serena match, it's like you're watching a car that's sort of idling in the lower gears, knowing that at any moment you can press a button and it's going to take off like a jet because it just has fuel tanks that the other cars don't have. Watching Serena that day was an exercise in impatience, basically. Being impatient for her to to turn on that jet fuel.
0: Serena's serves were off, with double fault after double fault. She was dealing with a nagging knee injury. But she and Pliskova were more or less neck and neck for the second set. The game came down to a tiebreaker. It was Serena's serve.
2: I remember thinking in my seat sort of being like swirled around with this like chatter and kind of stale air in the stadium oh my gosh she's actually gonna lose this thing
0: serena serves fault she serves again double fault
2: unreal
0: serena williams double faults carolina to the final of the 2016 U.S. Open. It happens in straight sets. Tonight, Serena does not find a way. At the press conference after the match, reporters struggled to explain the unexplainable, to come up with a narrative, a reason why Serena lost in such a stunning upset. They kept asking her over and over, what happened? Was she injured? Was she tired? Here's how she answered.
1: I'm not going to repeat myself. I wasn't tired from yesterday's match. I'm a professional player. I've been playing for over 20 years. If I can't turn around after 24 hours and play again, then I shouldn't be on tour.
0: Tennis is not a team sport. When Serena loses, there's no one else to field questions. So on top of having just lost in spectacular fashion with the eyes of the world fixated on her, now she had to find a way to explain it. Here's Jill Smoller again, her agent.
3: When you look at it over the course of her career and you think about it, people get used to losing or lose enough so that it's, you know, something that you get accustomed to. But if you look at her career. She's not lost a ton. So she doesn't do it well.
0: When it comes to understanding how Serena processes a loss, nobody has greater insight than smolder She's known Serena since she was a teenager. It's more than a working relationship. They're good friends. Jill has seen Serena at her lowest. And she has a deep understanding of why Serena takes losing so personally.
3: When she loses, it's a it's a spiral and it can take days. It can take, um, you know, a week for her to come up for air. It's a very isolating, dark introspective time for her. There's nobody harder on themselves than, than she is. And I think some of it goes to the fact that she feels like she lets people down. Besides playing for herself, I think she feels like she plays for a lot of disenfranchised groups.
0: This is what compounds every defeat for Serena Williams. She and her sister Venus were the first female superstars of color in professional tennis. And she's become one of the most widely recognized female athletes in the world. So there's a weight of representation that comes with being as iconic as she is. Serena talked about it in a speech in 2015. She'd just been named Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year.
1: And I've had people look down on me. I've had people put me down because I didn't look like them. I look stronger. I've had people look past me because of the color of my skin. I've had people overlook me because I was a woman. I had critics say, I will never win another Grand Slam when I was only at number seven. Now here I stand today with 21 Grand Slam titles, and I'm still going.
3: You know, you had two young girls coming up from Compton with beads who literally were going to change the face of culture and change the face of sport. They were very isolated together. They, you know, they came in as a family unit tennis back in that day i don't know that it's inclusive now but you know it was very wary all of a sudden you see these two unapologetic powerful strong young girls who were about to come in and take over the world
0: when we spoke with serena seven months had passed since she lost that match to Plishkova, and she'd had some time to reflect on it
1: i have made a lot of excuses before i stepped out on the court I was tired, my knee was hurting, like I wasn't feeling 100 percent, but I've won tons of matches not feeling 100 percent, so in a way I kind of lost before I got on the court. Someone even like me, you know, can get a little timid or a little down on themselves. They get so down on themselves that it affects the whole match. Instead of tapping into that other energy, I was just focused on the negatives, and for me I really felt like I should have, looking back, I should have focused more on the positive.
0: Getting to this point of reflection is not always easy for her. Like Smolder said, the hours and days after a loss can be an isolating period for Serena. But over the years, she's taught herself how to cope with the isolation she feels after defeat. She's learned to pick and choose very carefully who she interacts with when she feels this vulnerable.
1: The first person that I do talk to and probably the only person I talk to is my sister Venus. I really feel like she's the only other person outside of someone that's on the tour that understands what it's like to be such a high-level athlete and to to have to lose.
0: After that, she goes to her coach, Patrick Moore Tuglu. He's learned how to work with her during these periods.
1: He's very sensitive to me in terms of he doesn't, sometimes he won't even talk to me about why I lost. I usually bring it up because it's hard to bring up, but I need to bring it up. And then he'll be really open and candid. And the next time I play that same opponent, we have a better game plan.
0: Most of the time, she can't even bring herself to watch the footage of the match she lost.
1: That's one thing I can't do. I just, I've tried it early on in my career as I would watch the matches that I lost, but I just physically, physically I can't watch it. It makes me sick to my stomach.
0: When she does manage to power through, she'll learn something. Like when she rewatched footage from another big loss at the 2016 Australian Open against Angelique Kerber.
1: I was um, able to understand why I lost. And looking back, I played like crap. (laughs) And it's no surprise that I lost the match. So I had to mentally um, humble myself and realize that, that, you know, I lost because I didn't play well. And sometimes, Humbling yourself is the greatest quality that you can have in sport, because then that's the only way to get better.
0: Being a professional athlete means always striving to be perfect. It also means you don't have time to wallow when you're not.
1: When you lose and have to play again, it's almost like that instant rehab that you get, and it's, um, you have no other choice but to forget it.
0: It's hard to forget, though. When you face the kind of pressure Serena does, the stakes of every game, the criticism of her every move on and off the court, here's Smoller.
3: She's always going to be judged differently. When she gets 24 grand slams, there's going to be a reason she has to get 30. She has set the bar so high for herself, but I also
2: think the public expects so much more of her. Caitlin Thompson again. She's had to battle through an entrenched, and let's be honest, like racist and misogynist commentating culture. And she's done it in a way that only uh, she could, and in in an undeniable way, which is just winning. Every single year, every single major, creating new records for herself to break.
0: Serena's had the weight of these expectations on her for more than 20 years now. And she deals with it by doing what comes most naturally to her. Fighting to win.
1: I just keep fighting and When it's over, I'm usually surprised because I never give up. I just keep going and going and going.
0: In January
1: 2017,
0: four months after loss to Pliskova, Serena won the Australian Open. The win solidified her as the greatest tennis player in the Open era with a record of 23 Grand Slam titles. Thanks for listening to The Secret to Victory. Next week. That was one of those moments where you're sitting there like, can I I play in the NFL? Like, am I any good? Am I going to be any good? How Texans defensive end J.J. Watt went from college walk-on to dominating the NFL. You can subscribe to The Secret to Victory on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And while you're there, please leave a review. It helps others discover the show. This podcast was produced by Abby Ruzica and edited by Eric Menel. Research and additional editing by Noah Davis. Jorge Estrada is our associate producer. Production help from Julia Botero and Francis Harlow. Creative direction by Nazanin Ropsanjani. This episode was mixed by Sam Baer. Sound design by Bobby Lord. Music by Dan Brunel. And music direction by Matt Boll. Technical direction by Zach Schmidt. Special thanks to Caitlin Delana and Oscar Zabayos. You can learn more about the show at Gatorade.com podcast. I'm Dominique Foxford. Thanks for listening. See you next week.